Hey, Nadpoles. Caldwell here to talk to you about Hero Forge, the best place to get fully customizable tabletop miniatures with dozens of fantasy species and thousands of parts to choose from. I actually just built a version of my Underdark Gnome Illusion Wizard, Kraslo, for use in a home game my friend has been running, and it was incredibly fun getting to scroll through all the options and details to bring this mage-handed menace to life. Their easy-to-use design tools let you build your perfect miniature online using a fully 3D, in-depth character creator right in your browser. Oh, and before you ask, yes, Hero Forge has goggles, and yes, Kraslo is wearing them. So if you've been thinking about splurging on a miniature for your D&D campaign, wait no longer, because May 2nd to May 9th, Hero Forge is having a spring sale. You can get 10% off all physical miniatures and free shipping, including international shipping on all orders. The figures are tiny, but the savings are huge. To take advantage of this great offer, visit HeroForge.com to start designing your custom miniature today and check back often because new content is added every week. Ooh, good to know. Kraslo just got a hat of vermin in the campaign, and I really want to find an annoying top hat for him to wear to represent that. In the meantime, that's it for me. Thanks for listening, and happy forging. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hello, friends. It's your dungeon uncle, a.k.a. Dunkle Caldwell here, to welcome you back to Trinavale. It's been a while since our last session, so to help you all get caught up, I've assembled a summary of the story so far. But before we get to that, let's take a listen to the original introduction that me and the players gave way back at the start of episode one. Welcome to Trinavale. Tr- tr- Trinavale. Trinavale. <laughs> There's a pause built in in my text here. A world where magic is as common as water. Treasure lurks in every cavern, and crystals are goddamn everywhere. It is a true adventurer's paradise. Our story begins in an age known as the Emerald Truce. Three centuries have passed since the end of the Artifice Wars, but the smoldering remains of the continent of Ginnarak stand as a daily reminder of its terrible impact. The conflict was so massive that it exhausted even Leont, the literal goddess of war, and caused her to fall into a deep, dream-filled slumber. It is in these dreams that a new peace is forged. Luckily for Trinavel, Leont is not the realm's only god. While she sleeps, Nettis and Nalar, the other members of a divine collective known as the Trine, do their best to maintain the world's new and tenuous balance. Under their godly guidance, the once barren crescent of Agendel begins to thrive. Caravans crisscross the countryside, gleaming airships dot the sky, and adventurers of all stripes seek fortune and fame by desecrating ancient ruins at a truly alarming rate. Oh dear. It is in this time of optimistic uncertainty that our adventure unfolds. So, without further ado, let's meet our heroes. Who wants to go first? Shall we roll to see who goes go. first? Oh, okay, that's yeah. fun. Okay, yeah, cool. let's roll. Let's roll for initiative. What I we got get? 11. 18. 13. All right. All right. You guys, the native son of Renifor, scion of the valley, meets Nyak, half-elf ranger whose family lives among a troop of awakened gorillas high atop the trees in the ancient forest valley of Renifor. Nyak aspires to be the silverback in his troop and is gathering his strength in solitude so he can lead his people. 
Equipped with a longbow and a blonde mullet, Nyak is trying to make a name for himself in Vinyl R. He very recently found out what a shirt is. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> uh, is he wearing a shirt now? No. Okay. But he knows what a shirt he is. Up. He knows he's supposed to, but he's fine. Mm-hmm. Like Not even like a vest? No. Okay. Nothing. Well, well he has a that. quiver, so there's like a little strap covering <laughs> the middle covering of nothing. his chest. Both you nipples are You can definitely get fashionable with a little strap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Fanny packs are kind of in. He's also uh, covered in tribal tattoos. It was the summer oh, yeah. of the strap. <laughs> so he's hard one, but with tribal tattoos. I realized I read, like, I read the first... Uh, two sentences in Hard One's voice, and I was like, "Oh, Nyack isn't Hard One." Yeah. As I, much as I hate that, <laughs> and he's a he's a half elf ranger, right? Yes, correct. Mm. Very cool. Mark, do you want to read yours? Yes, I am uh, Jens Lindell, uh, sword dancer, uh, high elf bard. Uh, my father was, of course, the famous Laslick Lindell, uh, brutally beheaded during a duel by some savage wood elf named uh, Rast. He was. Some would call it showboating, but I would say it was performing uh, as he went for his last lunge, uh, and this barbarian took his head off, but my father, a gentleman till the end and a duelist, uh, still bowed, even though uh, he a was A headless beheaded. bow? It was a headless bow. Cool. No honor yes. amongst oh. those wood elves. Yes, I was, I was a mere boy, a mere 89 years old when it happened, <laughs> uh, and since then, I am changed. Um, I have a half-brother, Nyak. Um, you know, a brother. Lot of people focus on the half. When you say you're a half brother, people forget that, uh, you know, half of that is also stranger. So really, I have a half stranger, Nyak. The same blood in me flows in you. Well, brothers. half. Half stranger still. <laughs> the glass is half strange. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so I am, I am a sword dancer. Bound. <laughs> no, half bound. Half bound. I'm a sword dancer bard. Uh, I, um, Quasi, quasi famous, or at least I, I, now I'm sort of infamous because I mm-hmm. accidentally stabbed a prince you're, during a royal birthday party. You're known party. as the prince pricker, the prince, is that correct? Yes, pricker, I, right? I pricked him. It's fine. It's, ah, it was, prince pricker. Uh, yes. And a pleasure the, to have you here. Uh, the royals were quite upset with me. Um, but um, my new friend uh, Onyx Lumiere helped me escape the royal birthday party, and now I'm um, I'm a little bit disgraced and a little bit hard up for work. Okay, and that brings us to all right. <clears throat> I'm gonna read my paragraph that I sent to Caldwell. <clears throat> Onyx Lumiere is a pastel goth warlock from the moon who travels Trinivale with her toy unicorn Obsidian. She was going to state school for geology until one day when she found a mysterious shard of crystal which whispered to her. She mounted the round, spiky shard onto a flail and has been getting into trouble ever since. She has a ghastly, creatures, moon-like complexion and wears a pastel Victorian frock. Obsidian, her unicorn, wears pastel Nikes that are also Heelys. So he moves like a rollerblader. <laughs> like a what? Rollerblader. A rollerblader. Rollerblader. Onyx may or may not have been exiled from the moon, but you will never get a straight answer out of her. Onyx Lumiere, pastel goth warlock, heeder of the crystal's whisper, mistress of disguise, ruthless hexpert, and curator of curses. Thank you. Expert, expert. I like that. You rarely like hear somebody with such a like an air of foreign class uh, be expelled from state school. (laughs) (laughs) And now it's time for our recap to begin. 
Having received a mission from their employer, the mysterious nobleman known as the Benefactor, Jens, Onyx, and Nyak, aka Retrieval Team 22, gathered at a restaurant on the outskirts of the city of Vainalar. Once there, they were debriefed by the Benefactor's liaison, a tipsy halfling by the name of Blavin Blandfoot. After ordering a bottle of something called chicken wine for the table, Blavin unveiled their new mission. Venture into the nearby forest and retrieve the wondrous relic known as the Ginnerak Crystal. Blavin went on to elaborate that there are actually five of these crystals, but after the fall of the continent of Ginnerak, they've been scattered across the globe. It seems the benefactor desperately wants these relics and has tasked Team 22 with their recovery. And so our heroes headed out of the tavern to begin their perilous mission. But first, they did a little shopping at a nearby vending machine. You see, the machine is mostly empty, save for four items. A potion, a Sprite, a Sprite Remix, and a dusty-looking bag. Oh, by Sprite, you mean you mean the drink, yeah. not a little creature we could buy it has to a, join us. It has a Sprite on it? Yeah, it has a Sprite on the logo. Ah, limited okay. edition Sprite Sprite. <laughs> <laughs> Spritely Sprite. Okay. Uh, again, a Sprite Remix, and then a dusty-looking bag of Butterfinger BBs. I'll take the Butterfinger what? BBs. <laughs> Let's take the potion. What are you doing? How much are the Butterfinger BBs? You have enough to get one of each. <laughs> I get the Butterfinger BBs <laughs> twice. <laughs> I just, I get two potions. I steal some of her money and then buy potions. Okay. <laughs> All right, do you have two I, potions? I attach a little feed bag to Obsidian <laughs> and put the Butterfinger BBs in there. Okay. Can a unicorn even eat chocolate? Is it like a dog? Will it die from eating this chocolate? With their BB supplies replenished, the gang headed into the forest where they encountered a strange trio of gnomes. Having taken a gnomish lover on a previous adventure, Onyx was able to win them over and convince their leader, Dougal, to let the group cross the ravine via their zipline. The trio then made their way into the Dragonmouth Cavern, where they clashed with a crew of kobolds led by a pantsuit-clad boss lizard named Bandov. After dispatching her, they claimed the Ginnerak crystal as well as her bloody pantsuit. Then they used their magic calling coins to teleport back to Blavin, who joined them for a celebratory round of margaritas. That night, as the gang was leaving, they had a strange encounter with the mysterious figure who had been tailing them ever since they entered the forest. My elven eyes are perceptive. You see with your elven eyes in the darkness, uh, your calling coins floating out of your pocket. Hmm. Uh, my calling then, coin is floating out of my pocket. Uh, this happens very quickly. You're just catching it out of the corner of your eye. But uh, you also notice a jar, like a magical jar. It looks basically just like a milk jar, but with like runes etched onto it. Uh, scoop up all the coins. This is all happening, just flowing in front of you. And right as that happens, time stops. Mm, that can be. The jar hangs in midair. And you see walking towards you a massive figure with a long shimmering scarf that is somehow every color and none at all. They put a note in your hand, wink at you, and then vanish. Time resumes and you read the note. Oh, something weird just happened, everybody. <laughs> yes? Great work retrieving the crystal. Keep it up. Your number one fan, Z. Later that month, the trio hunted down the second crystal aboard an airship that mysteriously crashed into a massive cloud bank. 
While on board, Jins found a set of time-stopping daggers, Nyak found a floor covered in slippery jam, and Onyx found herself confronted by the dark voice that lives inside her crystal flail. Um, you hold the crystal up to your ear, and I imagine you kind of like yeah. sway it because it's a mace. Yeah. Oh yeah, maybe you spin I it. I helicopter it. Yes, and you hear kind of like a woo woo woo. Yeah, it's like one of those Nerf toys. Yes, yes, the chaos, everything's spinning. This beautiful white plane, painted red, painted red with blood, <laughs> painted red with blood. <laughs> Eventually, the gang's investigation led them to revive an eccentric automaton by the name of Otto, or, as he would later become known, Keychain. Hello, I am Otto, the automated first mate. Thank you for bringing me back online, although I am very hungry. Can you provide me with some power? What are you hungry for? I I feed it jam from the floor. (laughs) (laughs) I do not like jam. You Um, you can have as much floor jam as you want. I give him two Butterfinger babies. Where do you put them? Um, He does have a mouth. I'll say that. Yeah, I put them in his mouth. (laughs) Good boy. No, I do not like these. These are yucky. Pitu, pitu. (laughs) They're delicious. You shame yourself. (laughs) Pitu, pitu. With Keychain's help, the team discovered that the airship had been transporting a godly artifact known as the Chronoscooper, a device capable of marking an object and then retrieving said object from the point in the past at which it was marked. The trio decided to use the scooper to open a portal to the past to retrieve the second crystal. Upon opening the portal, however, they found not only the crystal, but also a mysterious masked pirate whose crew, the Dread Horizon, had initially attacked the airship. The team leaped through the portal and into the past to fight the pirate and claim the crystal. However, before they could confront him, a giant moth creature named Morath burst into the ship and began attacking them all. During the scuffle, the pirate's mask came off and he was revealed to be none other than Raster von Weinhardt, the wood elf who killed Jin's father, Laslik Lindell. Upon seeing Jin's, he fled, and so Team 22 was left to kill the moth all by themselves. After doing so, the gang contacted Blavin, who, upon realizing they had traveled back in time, told them to stay put for a week so that the timeline could sort itself out. And so they partied on board the ship until it was time to go home. But the party didn't stop there. A week later, Blavin and the Benefactor located the third crystal deep inside Vaynalar's most prestigious entertainment venue, Club Silver. And so our heroes donned their dancing duds and began to investigate. At the door, they met a wealthy socialite named Nathaniel Clasp, who arrived at the club in a giant golden robot. Onyx ingratiated herself to Clasp and became his social media manager on Trinstagram. Using this newfound relationship, the trio was able to make their way deep into the club, which they quickly discovered was staffed almost entirely by gnomes. After further snooping, the gang discovered that the third crystal was being sold to the winner of a high-stakes battle auction. The team managed to win the auction, but before they could claim their crystal, a group of gnomes ambushed the arena. One of these gnomes turned out to be Onyx's former lover, Keith, and the two shared a brief but passionate reunion. Keith, <sighs> I'm, so, I'm sorry, Onyx, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You saved me. Yes, <sighs> well, you. the same could be said of you. It's been long so ago. long since we saw each other in the gnome lands. I know. We were enemies then, but I think we could be allies now. And then Keith presses his hands into yours. 
They're warm and rough with a tinker's calluses, just like you remember. He leans in close. I get goose pimples. (laughs) He notices. (laughs) His large eyes flush with memory. What do you do? Well, I am no stranger to uh, Keith slipping something into my hand. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out the gnome's plan was to reclaim the huge golden robot that Nathaniel Clasp's family had stolen from their ancestors. After saying goodbye to Team 22, the gnomes departed in their newly recovered robot. Later on, while celebrating their victory, Blavin and the team received a call from the benefactor saying that the fourth crystal had been located in Onyx's hometown on the small moon of Pollux. And so the gang headed to the spaceport for a lunar adventure. Upon landing, our trio found themselves in a quaint winery called Lumiere Vineyards. It quickly became clear that Onyx wasn't entirely truthful about her backstory. Oh, I that just, is you. That is your family. You're name. rich, and you live in my little apartment. Um, does anyone have anything to hide a unicorn? Because obsidian actually is also on the lamb. Yeah. <laughs> is that the obsidian yeah. voice? <laughs> no, no, no disgrace. Obsidian that way. I love it. Wow, no. what a fun voice. Cannon. It is so cute. <laughs> But all was forgiven when the team met her twin brothers, Jet and Carbon. The siblings confessed to Onyx that the vineyard had fallen on hard times and that they had been forced to make a deal with a suspicious businessman. Uh, hi, um, my name is Onyx Lumiere. Who are you? Are you working with my brothers on, on my vineyard? Uh, w- working with your brothers is a, a way to put it in a manner of speaking. I'm uh, Mercurio Delario. Perhaps you've uh, heard of me. I'm a businessman hailing from the floating city of Vainadas. Perhaps you've used one of my many vending machines. I believe I believe that I uh, own several of your Butterfinger BBs. Oh, the Butterfinger BBs. Yes. Uh, how, how, how are those treating you, love? Uh, well, I've been working my way through the pack. Yeah, they are. They will. <laughs> they are a hearty orb, if I do say so myself. Very <laughs> eating the same bag for a month? They are quite rich, brother. <laughs> now, don't disparage her. They, they will keep for a long distance. Do not worry about my BBs. It was also revealed that Onyx's parents, Graffite and Basaltois, were tragically murdered when she was still a child. As the team searched the cottage for the location of the crystal, Onyx suffered a flashback to that tragic night and was haunted once more by the voice within her crystal shard. <laughs> home again. Home again. Do you remember Onyx? Do you remember the first time we met? <laughs> The team then discovered that Onyx's parents were part of a secret organization known as the Golden Iris Society. The couple had been running tests on the moon crystal as part of their research into something called the Godstall virus. Eventually, the Lumieres became worried that their possession of the crystal was endangering their family and used their magic to hide it in the head of a moonicorn. After tracking down the moonicorn horde and claiming the fourth crystal, Team 22 received a surprise visit from Mercurio Delurio, who revealed that he'd been watching their actions via his accomplice, Z, a.k.a. Zogaf Lork, the rogue half-orc who Nyak saw at the tavern on the night of their first mission to retrieve a Ginnarak crystal. Mercurio tried to persuade the gang to give the crystals to him instead of the benefactor and promised our heroes he'd be in touch. The trio then returned to the vineyard, where they found Blavin waiting with their fifth and final crystal mission. And so, they all reboarded the Benefactor spaceship and headed off towards the ruined continent of Ginnarak. 
While aboard, Blavin offered the team a little more insight into the nature of the Godstall virus. If my memory serves, it uh, was a, a theory, but never actually created in practice. And it's a, a virus that could not kill a god, but stop them momentarily in their tracks. But again, I think it's only hypothetical. It's uh, something that scientists of an earlier age meddled with. But uh, magic like that is highly forbidden, so... Is that what caused the one god to fall asleep? Hmm. You know, some scholars suggest that might have been what it was, but this has never been proven, and we don't have any evidence to support any of this, so it's all hoo-ha and conjecture as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, mm. that, yeah of course, uh, that sounds silly. I'm no tinfoil hat person, so that no, sounds course, stupid. Yes. I, interesting. <laughs> the team was then given motorcycles and deployed to the irradiated surface of Ginarak. Upon landing, they clashed with a cobalt biker gang, but eventually arrived at their target, the mountain fortress of Draxpawn. Outside the mountain, the gang encountered the sole remaining survivor of Retrieval Team 21, a Ranifor gorilla named Norwalk. After ensuring his safety, they proceeded into the fortress, where they were met by Tukuru, the goth teen daughter of Bandov the Cobalt. After a heavily therapeutic battle, Tukuru revealed that she and her biker gang were actually hired by Rast to seek out the fifth Ginnarat crystal. She then flipped them off and fled the scene. Our heroes then delved deeper into the cavernous mountain, where they discovered a statue of Liant, the god of fire and war, holding the final crystal. The gang went to claim it, but then something unexpected happened. <laughs> so are you going to try and uh, pluck the crystal out and replace it? Yes. Okay. Uh, as you remove the crystal, the stone facade covering Leont retracts like a snapped rubber band, leaving only one gargantuan stone arm, which clinches firmly. The rest of Leont, now once again comprised of divine flesh and blood, begins to scream. Oh. Nitas! Nitas, how could you? <sighs> Leont looks around, her crimson eyes taking in the room. Her expression shifts quickly from confusion to anger, and then she looks at you. Who, who, who are you? What, what are you doing here? We came here to save you. To save me? Ah, puppets of Nadas. More of their playthings? Huh? Well, answer me! We don't know who we're working for, to be completely honest. We're in a little bit over our heads. But Where is Nadas? Where is Nalar? Oh, God. Did they actually go through with it? Where are they? What, what do you think they went through with? Answer me! Uh, I go to my knee and I bend the knee. The, <laughs> I present her with the butterfinger. She slaps the butterfinger out of your hand. <gasps> no! How dare you! That was like a month. Everyone month. calm down. A month of food. Let me roll initiative. No. <laughs> I don't have to answer your questions. I am the god of war. You will answer me. You were a statue 30 seconds ago. <sighs> what? That doesn't make any sense. We freed you from the storm. You were stuck here. Suddenly, as you're talking to her and trying to make sense, uh, Blavin pipes up on the coin. Um, I'm getting a massive spike. I don't know what's going on there, but you should probably go right now. Touch the crystal to the coin. I'm not joking. Okay, I think we do it. As Leant raised her blade to strike, our heroes teleported to safety, finding themselves outside the benefactor's wharfside manor with Blavin. Jin snapped and began pressuring the halfling for information. Okay, you know what? I'm just going to come clean. We don't have a lot of time, so I need to get this out. I'm not actually the benefactor's assistant. 
I'm part of an organization called the Golden Iris. We're dedicated to keeping Trinavale safe from the very gods that made it. My mission has been to help the benefactor gather the crystals and then steal them from him. It's our only shot at this. You see, the Ginnarak crystals are essentially portable power plants created by the gods. Each one contains a massive amount of divine magical energy. In his research, the benefactor learned that if the power of all five crystals was used simultaneously, you could theoretically harness enough energy to kill a god. And that's exactly what he's trying to do. The benefactor is building a machine with the power to literally kill a god. And so, with a newfound sense of urgency, Team 22 decided they would work with Blavin to steal back the crystals they had already collected. Before entering the mansion, Onyx texted both Mercurio Delorio and her gnomish flame Keith to let them know the situation. Our heroes eventually located the missing crystals inside a pocket dimension created by an artifact known as the Dimensional Doorknob. They retrieved the crystals, but upon exiting found themselves face to face with the Benefactor, who unveiled a massive god-killing laser beam that had been hidden beneath the floors of the mansion. The Benefactor then used powerful time magic to try and stop our heroes, but against all odds, Team 22 triumphed and was able to slay their former boss. Or so they thought. As the trio prepared to flee, the Benefactor's corpse began to regenerate, then rose to fight them once more. Meanwhile, in a prison downstairs, Blavin, Norwalk, and Keychain awoke to find Mercurio's orcish agent, Z, coming to their rescue. Groggy from their imprisonment, the group's voices and personalities seemed slightly different. Maybe we get up there all sneaky-like, shall we? And I take a, a little sip. Blavin, you sound uh, real tired. You okay? <laughs> I've been knocked out today. <laughs> uh, so I feel like I've aged 80 years. <laughs> sneaky. Well, yeah. uh, sneaky's not really my forte. Uh, I'm an 800-pound gorilla. <laughs> You know, I think you could stand to gain a couple extra hundred if you if you ask me. Oh, really? Yeah, I like a man with a little girth. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, she... Why don't you guys both go in that flask, huh? <laughs> I don't remember you being quite this horny before. <laughs> you didn't spend a lot of time with me. <laughs> the only reason I survived when uh, Retrieval Team 21 uh, all died is because I was outside the, the room fapping. <laughs> You know, I've never been turned on by a wow. guy saying fap until now. Hey, I'm a fucking gorilla, man. I kind of throw shit and play with myself. After successfully escaping, Blavin and the crew made their way upstairs just in time to see the benefactor rising from the dead. It was then that our heroes realized that their employer was actually Nalar, the god of time and tides in disguise. So everyone is upstairs now. Uh, you regroup with Nyak, Jens, and Onyx. Uh, the party is back together. Just in time to see the Benefactor rising with this kind of like sickly green steam coming off of him as his body regenerates. And he says, The chains of fate will be broken whether you want them to or not. If I can kill even one of the gods, their divine link will be destroyed. Balance will be lost, and magic will finally perish from this world. Then, and only then, will we be free. And you see he pulls what looks like a miniaturized version of the Chrono Scooper, 
that you had taken from uh, the SS Sunkiller out of his pocket, fires it, a small portal appears, the tube with the three crystals you had on it, the rune glows on it, and it disappears. (gasps) And all of a sudden, he's holding it. (sighs) This will take a little time to recalibrate, but it's better than nothing. Now let's do this one more time, shall we? Before you can do anything, before you can even roll initiative, you hear a loud rumble. In the distance, you hear a yell, faint at first, but growing slowly louder and louder. You look up in the distance and you see a huge glowing figure flying through the sky. As she grows closer, you realize it's Leont, and she looks pissed. Standing on top of her massive broadsword, she surfs through the clouds, and as she grows closer, she grabs the hilt and flips her body into a dive bomb. The skylight glass rains down all around you. Leont rises from her perfect three-point landing, then turns her burning crimson eyes to you. You again! I don't know why you're here, but if you know what's good for you, you'll take these crystals and get as far away from here as possible. As she's saying this, she grabs the crystals out of the benefactor's hands, tosses them back to you, and gestures for you to just fucking book it. And she draws her sword and begins to fight. Outside the manor, the gang's getaway was aided by Mercurio Delurio, who whisked them away on his sleek silver airship towards the floating city of Venadas. While they flew, Mercurio asked the team if they were ready to hand the crystals over to him. However, before negotiations could proceed, Mercurio's ship was accosted by the Dread Horizon pirates and their leader, Raster von Weinhardt. Rast demanded that the trio give him the crystals, but our heroes refused. Overcome with rage at seeing his father's murderer, Jins used his Nalarian time daggers to stop his nemesis dead in their tracks. All right, so you hit him with this dagger. Why don't you roll and see if you stop time on him? Oh, damn. Ooh, can I give a help action? Nat 20. Oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> Fucking Nat 20. Oh. This is the coolest moment of Jen's life. <laughs> Jen's life sucks and is so sad. But in this one moment, he rules. Honest, <laughs> honest did you get that on, on Instagram? Did, did you finally get that? Oh, sorry, I was going through Keith's pitch. What? <laughs> what, do yeah. you, what do you mean? He posted a picture with uh, some girl from... The- Don't worry, brother, I got it on my speaking stone. <laughs> I can, I'll send it to Onyx. Oh, no, you have a flip speaking stone. This is no good. <laughs> this is not. It's a still terrible. image. Honestly, it looks like awful. it could be one of those really dark pornos people shoot oh, themselves. My God. I, really, I think if we post it with a really, really in-depth description... <laughs> Oh my god, my heart is racing. I have never, I haven't rolled a nat twenty with the um, time daggers that's yet, and that's wow. the fucking first time I rolled it. Yes. Yeah, so what happens? Okay. Lay um, them consequences on us. During the whomping that unfolded, it became clear that Rast was not fully in control of his own body, and as Onyx went in for a killing blow, a horrible truth was revealed. Onyx, mm. you rear back with your maul mm-hmm. to hit Rast a second time. Mm. The moment that you swing towards him, in a flash, your maul is blocked by the sword that was previously on Rast's back. You didn't even see this happen, but in a flash, the sword just appeared. And you see 
as the bandages fall from it. It's no ordinary sword. Onyx. It's a shard. Oh, no. And it's not just any shard. It's the same shard you saw that night in the stable on Pollux. I am a bad guy. (laughs) Onyx, not only did this man kill Jinta's father, (gasps) he killed your parents as well. (laughs) Crystals are starting to climb up his fingertips onto his arm, forming shards of this pastel glowing crystal. And he grins wildly at you and then (laughs) tosses you back. (laughs) That was weird. As the fight raged on, our heroes learned the true identity of the crystal demon possessing Rast, Verlus, the god of chaos. Eventually, they managed to drive the demon back, but Rast's life was lost in the process. With a chilling laugh, the demon revealed that by defeating Rast, Onyx had earned the right to become his new champion, and commanded that she now must bring the crystals to him. As she struggled with this information, Rast used his dying breath to tell Jins a secret about his past. Now that Verlus's grasp is loosened on me, there's something you must know. Your father, he was a good man, an incredible blade singer, but he was more than that. Jins, he was my half-brother. So you're my half uncle? <laughs> In a way, yes. And mine as well. I have so many half well. siblings. Nothing's more important than family. I love my uncle. No, it's, it's a, <laughs> uncle is right. You look good with only one arm. As their uncle's life came to an end, Rast begged Team 22 to destroy both Verlus and the cursed Ginnarak crystals that he was seeking. He explained that this could be accomplished by venturing into a chaotic realm beneath Trinavale known as the Periphera. After divulging this information, Rast perished, and the crew shared a moment of silence. Unfortunately, it was cut short when the pirates, formerly under Rast's command, decided to attack. As cannonballs buffeted Mercurio's ship, Nyak attempted to fix the vessel, but was met by an old foe. So, Nyak, you head down to the engine room of the ship. Yo-ho, yo-ho. It's a pirate's life for me. Uh, and unfortunately, Nyak, there's just so much oil down here. Oh, oil. Wait, oh! Oh! It's everywhere. It's a trap down here, brother! What are you doing? There's just so much fluid of all I came sorts. to repair the ship. <laughs> I'm being attacked. Fortunately for our heroes, reinforcements arrived in the form of a giant golden robot piloted by Onyx's lover, Keith. Using the power of this technomech, the gang made quick work of the Dread Horizon pirates. With their enemies defeated, Onyx and Keith then shared a blissful moment under the open sky. You see Keith is flying kind of next to you at this point in time in uh, the big golden technomech. Oh, Keith, uh, what, what are you up to? Oh, uh, Karen, would you mind piloting for a second? Yes, of course. Um, so Keith jumps into the palm of the Technomech, and it extends out over onto the deck of the, I guess, the Dread Horizon. I sort of um, swing my legs over to the side and get on like a fancy lady on a horse. <laughs> <laughs> Keith, uh, gentlemanly as ever, offers his hand to help you get on. 
I put my tit in it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Just kidding. Brother, no. look, look at their body language. <laughs> uh, that little gnome hand. <laughs> now I ask the question that every DM delights in asking, which tit? <laughs> <laughs> the right tit. <laughs> that was the right choice. It was, indeed. That's Keith's favorite tit. <laughs> The trio then regrouped and met once more with Mercurio Delurio, whose patience was wearing thin. You know what? Fuck it. Uh, Mercurio (laughs) lifts his cane, cocks it. The silver ball at the end begins to glow with arcane power. You're you're hangry. You're obviously (laughs) hangry. You must take us to dinner. Give him a BB. (laughs) Uh. I want those crystals. Now I'm going to give y'all one last chance. Z, get over here. You see Z groans and kind of steps in behind him, brandishing her short sword. Sorry about this, guys. I'm going to give y'all one chance, or I'm going to give y'all a taste of old Rodney here. It's got a lot of spells charged up in it, and I ain't afraid to make a mess. So y'all got three seconds to give me those crystals before my guards get here and really show you what they can do. One, two, three. All of a sudden... You see Z's short sword jut right through his chest. He looks up at Z, his silver eyes swimming with shock. <laughs> well played, Miss Logaff. <laughs> well played indeed. No reward without risk, I suppose. <coughs> Nedos bless. <laughs> you see Z just goes, thanks, boss. Uh, lifts Mercurio off the ground, walks over to the edge of the ship, and tosses him into the ocean below. <laughs> Best of luck with all your future endeavors. Well, that was good. I was worried about you for a second there, Z. I thought um, maybe I, I didn't understand what Norwalk saw on you until just then when you <laughs> killed our enemy. You're, you're savage, babe, and I, I love been, you for it. I bend the knee. That was fucking cool. Oh, thanks, y'all. Uh, she puts her hand in Norwalk's jean pocket. <laughs> hey. Norwalk, you gotta stop wearing jeans. It's weird. <laughs> I love my denim. <laughs> she says, hey, babe, hold this. She hands Norwalk oh, the bloody knife. Yeah, yeah, you got it. <laughs> Uh, oh, and don't then, put it right in the jeans. <laughs> <laughs> Your jeans are all covered in blood now, Norwalk. Don't worry, I have many jeans. <laughs> so she hands Norwalk the bloody short sword, uh, walks over to you, and pulls down her pants. Babe. <laughs> what? I'm just giving her a little taste. All right. And then on her butt, you see a golden tattoo with the exact same three-eyed pattern as Blavin's. It's been a pleasure serving with you, Blavin. She pulls up her pants again. Uh, sorry that you're the last one to find out. You see Blavin looks very shocked. Nobody tells me anything about this society. <laughs> uh, I was underground with the benefactor for so long. So many things have changed. I don't even know who our leader is. Do you know? Uh, you see Z goes, oh, I do. And all these nice folks are about to find out as well. And so, guided by their new ally Z, our heroes stealthily slipped past the Vanadossian security guards and made their way towards the Golden Iris Society's headquarters in the frigid mountains of the Kelson Peaks. Upon arriving, it was revealed that the leader of the Golden Iris was none other than Onyx's deceased mother, Graffite, who had been reborn as a dryad revenant. Over a dinner of magic BBs and chicken wine, Graffite filled the gang in on the mystery of her revival as well as the purpose of the Golden Iris Society. That night in the stable. Yes. Has 
Basil Troyes and I lay dying. He used the last of his magic to form an enchanted seed that he planted deep within my heart. After my body was buried, I was slowly able to regrow myself into this grapevine revenant that you see before you. And now, I have only one purpose that I am bound to before I can return to Basil Troyes in the life beyond. Mm-hmm. And that purpose is to gather the Ginnarak crystals and use them to awaken the hidden god. So you are another person who wishes to use the crystals? Only before I destroy them. Who is the hidden god? And who gave you this purpose? Is this a purpose that you harbored in your heart before you became a tree? This was the purpose of the Golden Irish Society the entire time. This was our true purpose. We were founded to keep this world safe from the gods that made it. But beyond that, our true purpose was to use the power of the gods to awaken the fourth entity. There are whispers of its existence. Some cultures believe this god created the trine, while others say that they were created at the same time, and the other gods rose up against their sibling and sealed them away. Some people say that the three other gods, the trine, stole the fourth god's power. Whatever its origins, all the religious texts and sacred documents that we have gathered here, documents found deep within caves, sealed in urns at the bottom of the ocean, these documents and texts all agree on one thing. If the hidden God is awoken, the world will finally return to a peace that has not been experienced since the time of the golden eternity, at the beginning of history. And that, my friends, my sweet daughter, is our true purpose. It is the purpose I was reborn for. Graffit also explained that the only way to destroy the Generac crystals was by returning them to the vessel in which they were forged, a celestial cauldron known as the Lathe of Creation. It is her hope that by destroying the crystals, the ancient knowledge of the gods that dwells within them will be released, and from this knowledge, a way to revive the hidden god will be made clear. And so, with a new goal in mind, the trio decided to hone their strength. With Graffit's help, each was able to awaken a secret power that dwelled within. Nyak came face-to-face with his sticky destiny by becoming a jam-covered champion ranger. Onyx threw off the shackles of her former patron and became a Trinstagram-fueled social sorcerer. And Jins embraced both his father and Hunkle's legacy by taking Rast's sword and making it his own. Um, and she hands you the sword... Which was formerly known as the Beckoning Void, but if I know Jens Lundell, he'll want to give it a new name. Although Beckoning (laughs) would probably still be in there. Come hither, void. I'll call it the Rebeckoning Void. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and as a nickname, I'll just—it'll just be Rebecca. interesting choice (laughs) you always keep me on my toes which i guess is where you spend most of your time as a dancer it definitely sounded evil because of void (laughs) and you didn't lose that 
<laughs> is Rebecca like a girlfriend or like a classmate? <laughs> no, I knew uh, I knew a girl named Rebecca in school, and she was just solid, kind of Dave <laughs> Dave Grawl style. <laughs> everyone liked her. A staple. Not everyone loved her, but everyone generally just Rebecca. No one could say something yeah. bad. About Rebecca. <laughs> what could you say, truly? What could you say about Rebecca? Just a solid lady. Yeah. And now, a solid blade. A solid blady. <laughs> <laughs> I think it will live up to its strange but beautiful name. Thank you. With new abilities in tow, our heroes began to depart for the periphera. While saying their farewells, they learned that their friends were being deployed on missions of their own. Blavin was headed to the elven city of Ilavos, while Norwalk and Z were departing for the orcish capital of Daggerast. Our heroes also learned that Norwalk and Z were now engaged. Yeah, you see uh, Z pulls out a ring. Clearly, she has plundered it from one of her many adventures, uh, and she gets down on a knee and proposes to Norwalk. <laughs> see, I humbly accept your proposal. I, I weep big crocodile tears. Oh. Let us be wed on the first day of the eternal peace. <laughs> oh. Till then, lover, till then. Bolstered by these happy tidings, Team 22 departed for the jungles of Ranafor, where an entrance to the periphera was said to exist. Upon arriving in Nyack's hometown of Knuckleton, the crew was greeted by his parents, Ron, a Tarzan-esque human raised by gorillas, and Lexana, a high-elven hairstylist who is also the mother of Jins Lindell. Ron was delighted to meet his stepson for the first time, but Jins was less than thrilled. Jen starts just smoking in their house. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, Ron. <laughs> Outside of Ranafor, Jens is really awesome. <laughs> I'm really awesome everywhere, Nyack. <laughs> Me love him wherever he is. <laughs> he tries to hug you. <laughs> I, I roll back. <laughs> uh, Onto a red ant nest. <laughs> ah, there's beetles everywhere. <laughs> yes, floor is dirt. <laughs> After hearing about their quest, Ron and Lexana suggested they talk with the silverback of the village. Unfortunately, the silverback had been hearing strange voices in his head and had barricaded himself in the top floor of his mansion. And so the trio was forced to infiltrate. Using Onyx's mask of many faces and Nyack's mastery of the gorilla language, the gang hatched a near flawless plan. Okay, so you approach the two guards. Looking um, like as scientific as possible. I also okay. have spectacles. I'm trying to decide if these guards would see you in the same way that like a human would see Jessica Rabbit where it's like That's kind of what I'm going for. Yeah, it's just like a gorilla that's too hot yeah. that like they can't exist. <laughs> yeah. It's that damn coyote moon again. They're hallucinating this beautiful <laughs> gorilla. <laughs> um all right, so I'm going to say that the guards names are Bethel and Redding. Uh you approach Bethel and Redding. Um and they're kind of like chatting again about the coyote moon and all the weird things that are happening in the town. I start uh, what do you moving say? my lips. <laughs> Wait, what? I start moving my lips. Oh. Because Nyack is going to speak gorilla. Of course. Right. Good, good Lord. Uh, orders straight from the doctor. Orders straight from the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, from Dr. Danbury? Doctor, who else? <laughs> of course. He's Step the best. Aside. And only doctor in town. You're damn right. No, no, what do you got there? Is this supposed to help uh, the silverback snap out of whatever's going on with him? Well, that's doctor patient confidentiality, ain't it? Uh, <laughs> you got me there. <laughs> 
Once inside, the trio managed to rouse the silverback from his trance and interrogated him about the voices he'd been hearing. You see, I, I should explain. As the leader of this troop, uh, I contain within my body a, a small piece of Nadas's very essence. It's a power that has been passed from silverback to silverback that I use to, to keep the village safe. But it also connects me to Nadas and allows me to hear their will. Believing Team 22 to be a sign from Nadas, the Silverback agreed to lead them to the hidden entrance of the periphera. Before departing, the gang stocked up on supplies, and Onyx took on a part-time calligraphy gig. Oh, uh, journaling, yeah? Ah, uh, yes, it's really, it's so important. That's great. Oh, you, you're beautiful penmanship. Um, you would, I'm looking for someone to do uh, wedding invitations. My, my son Norwalk's getting married. Uh, I'm just trying oh, to find someone. You look I like know, you might be good at it. I know Norwalk. Yeah? Yes, I would be honored to do his wedding invitations. Oh, my, my that would be lovely. Yes, of course. Uh, uh, let me draft something up right now. Okay, yeah, you, you get to work on that. I, I, I would love to see. It's uh, Norwalk and uh, Zogaf, uh, yeah. the happy couple. I am friends with both of them. My, what? Yes. No, get out of town. Yes, honestly, I introduced them. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of true. <laughs> I'm the reason they're getting married. Yeah. Wow. You know what? I oh know. my gosh. D drinks on the house. What do you want? Thank you so much. I'll take s seven beers. <laughs> <laughs> Coming right up. <laughs> the trio then ventured deeper into the jungle. As they walked, the silverback explained a little more about the origins of his power. Legend says that long ago, before the godless era known as the Violet Sorrow, Nidas gifted a sliver of their essence to five people they thought exemplified the necessary aspects of rule. For a time, these aspects ruled Ginnarak during the god's absence. Uh, but eventually, the seeds of Nidas began to flourish within their host, instilling them with unforeseen power. Some used this power to rule with benevolence, uh, while others were corrupted by its influence. Eventually, the Aspects began warring over control of Ginnarak. Uh, it was during this period that my Aspect, the Aspect of Lore, fled to Ranafor. The Silverback there uh, granted her sanctuary, and when she reached the end of her life, she passed Nadas' power on to the Silverback, and it has dwelt there ever since. Eventually, the group arrived at the mouth of a large cave known as Ma Ma's Ma. Using the power of Nadas, the Silverback awoke the cave, which then came to life and challenged our heroes to a cooking contest to judge whether or not they were worthy to enter the periphery. Needless to say, they all embraced the challenge with gusto. You say you miss licking your fingers. I do. They're buried deep underground. I have just the thing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I fill a glove with Tums <laughs> and I dip each finger into a different jam. <laughs> Jammy Tum Tums, of course. Fistra, jam? Call it the Fist of Flavor. Oh, wow. The Fist of Flavor, fist, straight to your tongue. The Fist of Flavor. Another shot of Jen's in the background smiling. <laughs> the camera just keeps finding Jen's strange <laughs> smile in the background. Dead shark eyes with a big smile. You do see uh, a little lemur holding a camera for some reason. This is being filmed for 
someone. After serving Mama a number of increasingly ridiculous dishes, Team 22 was finally granted entry into the periphera. Before departing, they bid farewell to the Silverback, who gave them one final piece of parting wisdom. I know that change can be difficult. Seeing your mother uh, with someone else and seeing... Honestly, too much of your friends can be a little hard, but if you trust in yourself, you'll get what you need one day. And I truly believe that. Smiling and weeping. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck in there and uh, keep your wits about you. The periphery has a funny way of getting into your thoughts. I've heard. So the silverback clasps you all on the shoulders, gives you a big gorilla hug, uh, ruffles your mullet, Nyack, uh, <laughs> and then <laughs> heads back into the jungle, back to Knuckleton Village, uh, and you are left with this massive cave facing you. Uh, and as you start descending into it, you hear a familiar laughter. <laughs> and this time... All three of you hear the voice. Well done, my champion. You're so close to achieving the goal for which you were chosen. Now, let the chaos consume your heart and bring the crystals to me. (laughs) And that is where we are now. Congratulations, you are all caught up and ready to start Chapter 14. Thanks again so, so much for listening. We are really excited to return to this adventure and cannot wait for you to hear what is next. And so until then, this is your Dunkle Caldwell signing off and saying, we'll see you in Trinavale. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>